this week has been an interesting week in spending time in uh, the scriptures. This is, this is a, a scripture probably a lot of us have read multiple times. I've read so many times and okay, kind of have an idea where I'm going with it to start with, but then God has a different take on things and he gives you new insight. And it's really, God drew me in a really particular good time with this scripture all week. And um, hopefully I can get it in in the next hour. <laughs> no, no uh, but it's true, it, there's so much here, so much life to be found in these words here. And I, I just pray that I'm able to share some of it that actually stirs your heart to the supreme worth of the kingdom, which those first two parables really speak about, is the supreme worth of the kingdom. And the, uh, it's the, the, the kingdom is worth any cost, any sacrifice to have it. And so um, let's get into it. Uh, is, is, and before I even get into it, just Matthew uh, mentions, I think it's up on the screen. He put the first um, three verses, verse 44 through 46 on the screen, if you can. He mentions the kingdom of heaven. Um, and it's a phrase he uses. Um, but other uh, New Testament uh, writers use the phrase, uh, the kingdom of God. Or they may even just say, kingdom. Um, and so I, I bring this out because I have a tendency to use the word, the phrase kingdom of God or just say kingdom. And so if I say kingdom of heaven or if I say kingdom of God or just to say the word kingdom, I'm meaning the same thing. All three reference the same thing. God's sovereign authority, his right to rule. And so that's, that's what I'm meaning by those things. So just take that in mind as I'm sharing this this morning. Um, and just some context, of course, right? There's, is, is, there's um, the Jewish people as a whole held to an understanding about the Messiah. When he came, he would come with his kingdom and bring his kingdom in fullness. And all the blessings that came with the kingdom, they would be established on the earth. But with that, simultaneously, there's, there would be, a, it would be a time of great judgment. And all wickedness and all evil would be cleansed from the earth. So that was the, the expectation of the Jewish people at this time. And, and, and not only, and, and for them too at this time, they're thinking like, uh, can you get rid of that, that occupying, oppressing Roman government and put us back in charge? We don't see it in the scripture, but really that's part of the sense of them that they just wanted that to end and then be, being put back in power. And so here's that, that's, that's the, the sense or the culture of, of that, at that time of how they saw things and, and expected the kingdom to come. And Jesus comes on the screen, a screen, yeah. He's not on the screen, he's on the scene here. He comes on the, on the scene here and he's, um, he, he, Pastor Joe's been going through. He's, been, he's preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's, he comes, he's teaching about the kingdom. Then he's, he's demonstrating the reality of the kingdom by his actions, by his life, and by healing the sick, casting out demons, and cleansing the leper. So the kingdom's here. He's saying it's right here. It's come among you. Here he's giving this, he's bringing this message. And so that's part of the message of Jesus. But we're going to see that, well, I, I, we're not, we don't have it on the screen, but the, the, the parable that's just before that, the parable of the weeds that Professor Joe went through this past week, is part of it is he's saying, and now they're expecting, okay, he's, he, he's the Messiah, and his, his kingdom's here now, where's judgment? And Jesus tells his parable of the weeds, he's saying judgment's not just yet, yeah, no. Uh, the kingdom's here, but judgment's not coming at this time. 
And so in that parable, he, he talks about the, the final judgment is, is something not yet, like we talk about that already now. It's, it's somewhere off in the future. It's, it's, it's going to be at the end of the age. And he says that at that time, the, the, the angels will come, and they, they'll come, and they will, they will sort all that out. They, they'll, they'll separate the wicked from the righteous at that time. But right now, the kingdom's here, but that, that's not going to happen. But right now, also in that uh, parable, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sowing sons of the kingdom into this world, along with the sons of the evil one. And it's going to be a mix. Evil and good's going to coexist during, during this age, during this time we're living in right now. We call it the current evil age right now we're living in. And God's, he's saying, I'm sowing these sons of the kingdom into it to be an influence in this mix of evil and good. So that's the parable before. That's some of the context now. Now let's look at uh, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. I just feel to pray right now. God, we just, at these moments here, um, let your kingdom come. We, we prayed it, we sang it, and now again I just say, God, let your kingdom come. We, your people, need to see the supreme worth of your kingdom. And I pray, God, your spirit would do that. Help me express that, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure. This is a real treasure hidden in the field. And there's this man that's working in the field, and he stumbles upon it, and he finds it. And he realizes what it is and its worth. And he right away, he goes away, sells everything he has, and purchases the field to have the treasure in it. See, he knows the treasure is worth way more than his property, all he had or owned before. And so he's willing to sacrifice it because he can see the supreme worth is much greater than what he already has. And it's not, he doesn't like, oh, I got to give up all this stuff. It says he joyfully, in joy, he recognizes the benefits of what he's going to receive by selling all to have him. Because Jesus is the treasure. Okay? That's what he's, Jesus is pointing to. He's pointing us back to him. He's the treasure. His kingdom. Him and his kingdom are the treasure. And then Jesus talks about a pearl merchant whose business and life are all wrapped up in seeking and buying pearls. He's an expert in pearls. He sees things in pearls we'll never see. Right? He's looking, he's searching, collecting pearls. And he's constantly, that's all his life is about. He's caught up in that. And here Jesus says this pearl merchant finds this, this single pearl, right? He finds this pearl that surpasses all the other pearls he's found before that he's collected. And he's willing to liquidate everything he owns, including all those pearls he already had. He's willing to pay the price to have the pearl of great value. Both these pearl talk about the supreme, but both these parables talk about the supreme value of, of the, uh, the kingdom. Now, 
Excuse me. Now, Jesus is talking to the Jewish people. He's telling these parables to them, right? And he's talking about the kingdom. And here he's telling this parable about the treasure and a pearl, especially this, specifically this, this pearl uh, merchant. And they, the Jewish people have this longstanding uh, cultural um, uh, heritage, this religious heritage that's mixed with this religious system that has all these structures and traditions uh, tied to it. And that's, that's their life. They're caught up in that. That's their life. That's a part of their heritage uh, for many years. That's what they have. And Jesus is comparing the merchant whose whole life has been caught up with these pearls to the Jewish listens, listeners who are caught up in this entire culture, cultural heritage and religious heritage and his religious system. So he's comparing these two, the pearl merchant and the Jewish listener with all these things. The pearl merchant has all these pearls he's found all along the way. The Jewish listeners have all this religious tradition and cultural heritage, all these structures, all these practices, these pearls that they have. Can you see the comparison? But they don't see Jesus yet. And Jesus is saying that if these Jewish listeners would truly see, truly see the supreme worth of the great pearl, pearl of great value, which is Jesus and his kingdom, they would give up all those other religious pearls to have him and have what he has come to bring, and they would follow him. Here's a challenge. Well, how does, it, how does it speak to me and you? Do we have any of those? Oh, okay. I, go, I know I'm not the only one, right? It's, it's all of us, right? See, these things, these things, these things gave these, this cultural heritage and these religious heritage, uh, this the system, these structures, in having them and doing them and being a part of them is what gave them worth and meaning. And Jesus is letting them know there's something greater than that that gives you true meaning, Amen. true worth, that only he can give you. Are you willing to sell all those pearls to have me? Now, relevant for us is, is that we, we too have our modern day traditions, don't we? And things we consider sacred, our practices that we do and are a part of and our, our church system we're a part of or the denomination we're a part of or, or the certain music that we sing or the certain prayers that we pray. We have all these things. And somehow we find some sense of worth and meaning in being a part of those things. And there is something that we gain from that. But Jesus is saying, or he's asking you and me, do you see the supreme worth, the, the, the great price, this great pearl of great price? And are you willing to sell all those to have me in my kingdom and experience true worth and true purpose? We're talking about a service about, I mean, talking about um, a sermon series, a, a story bigger than our own. Jesus is trying to get them and us to see the story that's bigger than our own. It's the kingdom. Amen. 
God is coming to rescue humanity and all the created order. And he's trying to get them to see, and he's trying to get us to see that. And are we willing to let go of all those other things? It doesn't mean we don't continue in our practice. It doesn't mean we don't go to the same church we went to. It doesn't mean we don't belong to the same denomination. But we recognize they're not the pearl. We may take part in those things. They're to lead us to the pearl of great value. They're not the pearl of great value. You understand? This is what God's calling. So he's challenging us. And this is what Jesus is doing. They're, but as he says earlier, uh, they don't see, they don't hear him. He goes, you guys, you, guys, you guys get to see it. He's talking to the disciples, but are we disciples of Jesus? We are too. And he wants us to see it also. Let's go, go back to the man who stumbled upon the treasure hidden in the field. And I share a little bit of my, my own story. And as I was reading this, I was remembering my own life here. You know, I was, I was just like this guy. This was me 38 years ago. I, I, was, I was not a Christian. I didn't like Christians. I was not searching for Jesus. I had no idea about who he was. I raised and taught and heard those things that they were were not something I was interested in. And I was working at this place and some guys were reading a Bible and trying to discover who Jesus is. And I just asked, and I still don't know why, but I just asked, can I join you? And I joined them and as 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 we were reading the Bible, Man, we, you know, it was, it was like, see, I, I started reading in that field called the Gospels. And as I was reading through the Gospels, there's a treasure here. It was Jesus. He jumped off the pages and he became so real to me. And I started seeing things differently because I started seeing him and the worth he was. And it started changing my life. And I'm going to tell you something Christy said earlier when we were praying. I finally found peace. And he set me afire. That's where it begins. Seeing the supreme worth of who Jesus is. And having him. He's the treasure. It stirred my heart just, just to think about the, 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 the journey that God has brought me on, allowing me to see the treasure that I had no idea was even there. And I joyfully paid the price to have him in his kingdom. And I say that on purpose because I, I want people to wonder, like, what do you mean paid the price? What price did you have to pay to have Jesus? The price was humbling myself, acknowledging, recognizing, and acknowledging I was completely inept to live the life he required for me to be a part of his kingdom. That was it. Once I did that, I said, okay, I I understand. I can't do this, God, on my own. And in doing that, I acknowledged him, put my trust in him, and gave my life or submitted my life 
as best as I knew how at that time. I mean, I, I have no idea who Jesus really is at this point. It's just the beginning. And I'm, I'm submitting my life to you as best I know how. You have me. We all do it at some point. That's where we start. In those initial times of seeing the treasure. And really, it goes along with one of my favorite verses. Blessed, is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 3. This is, this is the essence of, of experiencing more and more of the supreme worth of the kingdom and the king. Poor in spirit, recognizing we are completely inept at doing anything good like Jesus does. We are inept at, at living the life that he requires of us unless he comes to live in us. And it's a constant process of being humble and responding to God that way, saying, God, I need you. It's not a one-time event. It's, it's multiple times throughout our life. See, this, that beginning didn't happen just in, a, you know, like in one day. It was the beginning, and it took, it took about five or six months, really, to get to that point. I'm not saying, oh, I read that Bible the first day, and that happened. All of a sudden, he jumped out, and I'm good, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the kingdom. I'm ready to go, like I am right now. Yeah, you didn't say, like, where is he ready? There was a long space between that and here. But those first five, five to six months were this process of discovery, in learning and understanding where I would have to give my life over to him. See, the price to pay, we give our life to him. He, give his, he gave his life for us, right? And in some ways, we are the treasure because he gave his life to purchase us. But in another way, he's really calling us here in these moments is we recognize that he's given his life, we give ours to him. And he does that, and he's called us to do the same. And so that's the, the where am I? <laughs> oh, who took my pages? Oh, really? What happened? So those are the first five to six months, and I, and then before you knew it, I started selling off stuff, just like the guy that found the field. And when I say selling off stuff, no more getting drunk, no more partying. I had a vulgar mouth. I had to put that aside. Those are the things I just started selling off. And when I say so I started selling them off, this is interesting. This is the part about the joy finding the treasure. See, I didn't say, oh, I better stop doing those things. See, Jesus came, I became my joy. He became my passion. He was my treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And as I started to follow him and see him, months later, my coworkers are like, Kenny, you've changed. What do you mean you've changed? You don't do this. You don't do this. You, you stopped this. You started doing this. And I'm like, oh, I paid the price, but I didn't know I was paying the price. I unregrettably had let those things go because there was a greater joy in Jesus in the kingdom. And it goes on that way the rest of our life. I mean, just realize that a disciple is not fully made in that one understanding 
in that one day, in that one prayer, in that one year, in 10 years, maybe even in a lifetime. It's made, he's a disciple. You and me are made fully disciples in this continually choosing to choose the supreme worth of the treasure. There's continuous times where he brings the treasure before our eyes and he says, do you want to choose this or this? For me, there was, time, there was a variety of times that's, that have come up in my life, and it's probably for you too, that, that we're challenged to choose him or other things. One for me was family relationships or Jesus. Do I leave him or do I leave them? I chose Jesus. I joyfully chose Jesus. He's always been the treasure. There's no one greater. And then there's a time I, I had, a, I had a, a, a business that I was running on the side that I was making more part-time than I was full-time in my job, and I was on the verge of leaving my job to, take, to continue in this business in the early years. And the business had become the treasure. And Jesus comes to me and says, that's your treasure now, I'm not. You can have it, but you're not going to have me the way you always had before. And I had to make a choice. I chose Jesus. The people I was working with thought I was crazy. Yes, I was crazy. I was a fool for Jesus. He became and has always been my treasure. And there's a challenge we're going to always face through this life till we die. Are we going to keep him as the supreme Keep him as a, as a treasure or that's the, that has supreme worth over every other thing we have or want or think could be possible for us. That's the challenge. Matthew 13, 47 to 50. Let's go on. I got I'm running out of time. Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again... The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of, of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the, the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable is similar. It's like parallel to the one prior about the weeds that Jesus interprets. He's saying that, 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 that evil and righteousness is going to coexist until the end, until the final judgment at the end of the age when the angels come and they separate all evil from the righteous. See, Jesus here is, he's, he's, already, he's, he's done this a couple of times leading up to this. It's not just like these couple chapters. He's, he's, he's pressing people with a crisis of decision. What are you going to do? The end is still far away, but the kingdom is right now. Do you want what I have? Stop worrying about the end. Don't focus on the end. The kingdom is not exclusively future. It's right now. And he's, he's reinforcing that idea that the time of judgment and that sorting out of good and bad. Like, who here likes to sort out the good and the bad right now? Does anybody have a habit of doing that now when they watch TV? Bad, good. We don't, we, we don't have to say it, but in our head, we're doing it. We have this tendency to do it. So are they doing it? 
And he was challenging him then, leave that sorting out for later. You have something to do right now that involves the kingdom, which is of extreme worth, more worth than anything you're thinking is good or bad. The kingdom. And so he's, he's reinforcing that idea on them. He, so he, he calls them to see the worth of the kingdom. And, and then at the same time, don't get caught up in that end. He says the kingdom's here right now and it's come to save, not condemn. That's the message on 316 and 317. Jesus came to save, not to condemn. And he's sowing kings. Let's say kings, yeah. We are kings, right? He's sowing sons of the kingdom into the field of this world right now. Not to condemn, not to bring judgment, but to save, to rescue. And we, don't under, we, we won't do that until we understand the supreme worth of the kingdom. And he's trying to get us to see this bigger story that's unfolding and God's purpose in sending him and now sending you and me. He wants us to see the worth of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 51 through 52. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, I don't think they knew. <laughs> Just to let you know. Because as you read further on, they're asking questions to Jesus and their actions prove they did not understand. But just like us, to a point, we read this, just like I've read this set of scriptures and then I reread it this week and I'm like, I understood this. No, I did not. It's the same thing. We do the same thing. But nonetheless, Jesus responds, right? He responds to their yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus is make, makes this comparison. He's really making a comparison between the scribes of the Old Testament and the scribes of the kingdom of heaven, right? He mentions that right there. Scribe was someone, the scribe of the Old Testament was someone that studied and was trained in the Old Testament law so they could teach the Old Testament law to the people. And by the way, make sure it was being enforced. <laughs> that was just what they were. But he says, no, that's a comparison. That's just like there's the scribes of the, the kingdom of heaven. So he's making this comparison to them. So the, king, the scribes of the kingdom of heaven, what are they supposed to be being to, to learn from? Not the Old Testament law, not the judgment stuff. He's talking about learning about the true treasure. To be trained in the kingdom of heaven, not in the Old Testament law, but in the kingdom of heaven. And really, it's not just the kingdom of heaven as they knew it, because Jesus was coming with something completely different. He was bringing new understanding to the kingdom that they were like, what are you talking about? And even we, when we read it, we don't fully understand it. And then it comes, we get more of it. But he's saying you, that the scribes of the kingdom of heaven are, are trained, are called to be trained in the kingdom of heaven, understanding it. But the training is not just here. Here. Right, right here. The training is Jesus lived this, the kingdom of heaven. 
We're called to not just know it, but live it. Demonstrate it with a lifestyle that's completely different and demonstrating by the power of the Holy Spirit, God working through us to change other people's lives. That's what he's called us. That's what Jesus did. So here as he's talking about this, he makes this comparison between the two. So Jesus, so he's telling his disciples, so once you're trained, really he's putting it to them, he said, once you're trained in, the, in, in the, the new understanding of the king of heaven and your hearts are transformed with allegiance to that kind of thinking, now you go out and do the same thing I'm doing. So he's teaching them and calling them to understand, but he's also letting them know, once you understand, there's a responsibility and stewardship with this that you called to steward as you live your life. Now, that was them then. That was for them then, but who's it for now? Me? Anybody else want to raise their hand? Want to be trained in the kingdom of heaven? He's looking for those that not only see the supreme worth of the kingdom, but understand the stewardship they're given and having it. And once they do, he, he says, uh, oh, actually, go back to the scripture verse here. Once they do, it says, his, they're like a master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and of old. Once we're trained, we're called to bring out of the treasure of the storehouse of our life, not our head. See, there's a treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Make the tree good, and the fruit will be good, right? That's what he's calling us to. And he said, once you have been trained and you're the, the tree has been made good, has been sh shifted over. There's this allegiance over to this, this new kingdom understanding, the kingdom that Jesus has come to bring. With that, there's a storehouse of treasure we're supposed to have. That out of our being, we take that and give that to others. We're not called to just say, let me read you a scripture verse. Scripture verses are good. I'm not saying they're not. But there's a difference when you give life and what's stored up in you of the kingdom is not just words on a page. It's the living word that's been etched in our heart. That's what we're called to give. That's where the training happens in our life, who we are. Well, Matthew 13, 16 through 17. Can you put that up there as we close here? Matthew 13, 16 through 17. Blessed are your eyes. And Jesus is talking to the disciples now. And they've questioned him like, why are you talking in parables? In part, here's his response. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and do not see it and hear what you hear and did, and did not hear it. Who's he talking about, about these prophets and righteous people? These are the Old Testament saints. We read about it, Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith that have responded to God. They understood the treasure who God was to a point. He's saying they longed to see what you see. See, they lived in a time 
that's not like ours. They had something with God, but they knew there was much more, and they were longing for it. They were looking, it talks about Abraham and Moses in chapter 11 of Hebrews, where they're, they're looking for the, the, the city whose designer and builder are God. They were looking for much more that God had promised. They knew they had something, but it wasn't all. And Jesus is telling them, you guys, do you understand what I'm giving you? And I want you to hear this. I want me to hear this. This has really stirred my heart here. Is realizing, he, do, we, do we know what we have in Jesus? Full forgiveness, full acceptance, part of the household of God. It doesn't end there. He's chosen to make his dwelling place right here. Right here. In you and me. That's the, 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 the more. This, they, were look, they were looking for the more. And here Jesus said, you have it. You have it. You have it. You have the more that they were longing for. And not only that, he says, I got a prayer for you to say. Let your kingdom come. It wasn't his words to say and repeat every week. No. Jesus said the kingdom is here. And he's, he's ministering with the power of the kingdom. He's saying, you guys recognize who you are, what you have. The significance of your life is being part of the kingdom in this now moment. Don't wait for something off in the future. Don't look for judgment to come. I want to sow you right now into the fields of this world. And be sons of the kingdom that understand who they are, what they have in me. And then they bring out of the storehouse of the treasure of their life, their very being, Jesus and the kingdom for others to experience. That's a challenge for you and me. Do, I, I want you to recognize there's a treasure here. The treasure is not just something off in the air somewhere. There's some thoughts we read in here. There's real life where Jesus jumps out of the pages. The life that now lives in me and you. But Jesus is still sowing those, the word of the kingdom. Just like he did in the sower of the, field, the, sower of the seed. He's, 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 when we first came to Christ, he's still sowing the, the word of the kingdom for us to finally see it. Just like I finally, finally stumbled upon it in the, gospel, the, the fields of the gospel. Maybe you're here today. You've never understood the treasure. You've heard about it. Maybe you're starting to search for it. I want to encourage you. Continue to seek it out. Continue to, to draw close to Jesus. Let him become your treasure, just like he did to me. He's the one that can give you true peace and set you afire. So respond to him that way. Maybe, maybe you're holding on to some pearls. Maybe. Anybody? If that's you, he wants you to hand them over. Maybe it's something right now specific he's challenging you with to see the, the great value of him as a pearl compared to what you're holding on to. 
don't leave him. Don't ignore him. Go to him. Let him show you. See, 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 we can't see it until he shows us. And we can't leave it behind until we truly see the real worth of the kingdom. I don't want you to leave it behind because I'm telling you to. This has got to be an interaction between you and Jesus. See, he reveals the kingdom and the worth that, of that kingdom. And when we truly see it, he says, we will joyfully let those things go. It's not, I'm not saying, go leave those things behind. And you know, I'm doing it because Kenny says, oh, it's been a right idea to do. And, and I just don't really want to do it. No. I want you to have, Jesus wants you to have an encounter with him in such a way that you see the true worth of who he is. And once you do, those pearls fall away. It's in finding him, the true king, the one of supreme worth. They'll fall away. Maybe you've, maybe you've let a treasure you used to have that you've put aside, but all of a sudden, oh, I picked it back up now. I'm, I'm going to hold on to this treasure for a while. Maybe that's you. I encourage you. And I remind you, Jesus is the only treasure. And you'll never have true p peace and full joy until you let that treasure go and have him. But don't do it because I'm telling you to. Go to Jesus. Have an encounter with him. Let him re-show you the supreme worth of who he is. And all this I'm saying, go back to Jesus. He is the one of supreme worth, him and his kingdom. He's the only one that can reveal it to you. He's the only one that can empower you to let that all go aside. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for the grace that came to us at a moment we didn't know you. You revealed yourself to us. We're grateful, God, for the grace you've shown us. I pray, God, as we spend time in your word here, I pray the challenge for us is to see who you are for all you are. And I pray, God, your grace and your spirit would do that to us right now. Work in our heart. Open our eyes. Open our ears to see and to hear who you are. And I pray, God, that you would um, sow us, train us, and sow us into your field. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah.